How's everybody doing today? Good day to be in church. I'm glad you all are here. By the way, today is our outreach ministry fair, and so we want to, wanted to expose to everybody some of the outreach ministries that are happening in our church. Amazing people in this house are giving of their time and talents and, and ministering to people in the nursing homes, in the prisons, on the street, and, and, and other areas. And so we've made that available for everybody today to, to check out the different options. And some of those, for some of you, will, will kind of stir inside of you. It'll, it'll be a, 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 the Spirit will bear witness with you that you should be a part of it. And if that's the case, I encourage you to uh, seek further and, and uh, find out how you can be involved. Amen. Are you ready for some word today? Yeah. Praise God. If you have a Bible or your Bible apps, then go with me to two openings. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and Daniel chapter 3. That should pretty much cover it for today. You can find those two places. If you're, not, if you're new to church and you're not familiar with Bibles, don't have your own, um, listen the best you can. Amen. You can still benefit from what we have going on here today. In Hebrews chapter 10, I want to uh, zero in on verse 38, where it reads, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So there is a living by faith, and there is a drawing back, which would be the, the contrast to living by faith. Now, if you've read the Bible very much at all, you know that phrase, the just shall live by faith is repeatedly used. It's first in, in the Old Testament once as a prophecy, quoted multiple times in the New Testament. And I think most of us would readily accept and be quick to embrace that we should live by faith. But explaining that and walking it out is, you know, is, an, is another thing. We need to understand what that means. And so I want to take a little different angle on that particular passage and that word here today, faith. Uh, not, not teaching it in the typical way that I've done many series on, but that the word faith is translated from a Greek word that's spelled P-I-S-T-I-S. All right, and you can say that however you want and probably make it to heaven no matter how you say it. All right, you could say pistis or pistis or just don't say pistis. Sorry, I didn't say that. Pistis. All right. That word, according to Vine's dictionary, means a firm persuasion, a conviction based upon hearing. All right. I, I want to go go in on that on that definition. A conviction based upon hearing. Some people will hear something. And the best way to describe it is from that point on, they live with conviction. Okay? Now, the word conviction is a fixed or firm belief. All right, obviously you can use the word conviction in other ways, speaking of being convicted of a crime or something. But in this context, it is a fixed or firm belief. A lot of times people have beliefs, or at least they say they have beliefs, I believe this, I believe this. But it doesn't seem to really, you know, dwell deep within them. 
it doesn't seem to be fixed. It doesn't seem to be firm. It seems to be kind of wavery. It changes depending on which way the wind's blowing. And that's not the kind of walking by faith that we're talking about here today. All right, when a person has some conviction about a thing, they act with a different attitude. All right, they're bold, they're unmovable, they are fearless. They're not looking for plan B. They're not even creating plan B. They're saying the Lord is the way, Jesus is the truth, come on, He is the life. If I've got a promise from God, if I've got a word from heaven, that's all I need. And that's good enough for me, I'm going to act on that. Well, what if it doesn't work? There is no doesn't work. Not for this person. Not for the person who lives with conviction. Pastor Bill was sharing recently about the time that he had a hernia. And, uh, and he had some real conviction inside of him regarding that. In other words, he said, no one putting this on him, he was basically saying to himself, to the Lord, that he doesn't want to go get a surgery or, and get, it re, get that repaired in that way because he didn't want to you know, look in the mirror every day and see a scar and have that on his mind while he's ministering healing to other people. And he, was, he had some real strong conviction about getting it himself to the point where he would say, I'm either going to get healed or I'm going to die. And you know what happened as a result of that approach? He got healed. No scar. Would, could you model? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Say, well, I don't know if I would do that. Well, I know. I'm just saying you can see what, when someone has conviction about something, how they act. How it guides them to do the unthinkable. Guides them to do what some would call unreasonable. But yet when you believe, deep down inside you are fixed. You have a firm belief about something. It changes the way you act. A lot of times we, act, we want to pretend we have strong convictions and strong belief, but then when it comes down to real life where some things get hard, we act just like the world does. And I want to try to fix that, if I can. Stir you up a little bit with some word today. People who have this type of faith, they speak in absolute terms regarding what's going to happen. Where some would say, you can't say that. How do you know? Well, because I know him. And I know what God has said. Jesus would do this. Matthew 8 is one example. Someone came to him. My servant's sick at the point of death. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. I will come and heal him. He started prophesying the future. I'm coming. The end result is that guy's going to get healed. What do you do with someone who talks like that? It's like, well, you got the gall. The audacity. Wouldn't you rather just kind of say, well, I'll come and we'll pray and... We'll try to help him any way we can. No, not with that conviction. You speak outcomes before they happen. That's the way Jesus carried himself. Amen. I know some want to dismiss it because it's Jesus and they separate his ministry from ours. But he wasn't functioning as God when he did that. He didn't know everything. Not in that, in that, when, his, when he was in his earthly ministry, he was functioning as a man anointed by the Spirit. So he was saying that because he believed. He was saying that because of an inward conviction the reality of God that he had. This approach to life is not about getting psyched up. It's not about, come on, guys, let's all stir it up and shake it up and, you know, and we'll make something happen. That only works for a minute. You know what I'm saying? 
once you leave the rally, real life comes, and you have to have something deeper than just being uh, full of hype. Everybody with me today? Okay. It's about what you know. It comes from a revelation of who God is, what He has said about you and me, what He has promised to do for us. It has to do with a revelation about what we can do in Him. Amen. Okay, did you find Daniel? If, you, if you're familiar at all, at all with Daniel, um, this is a period of time when Israel had been taken captive by uh, the Babylonians. All right, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. Israel was a subject to them because of their rebellion against God. And there were a couple guys, a few guys. There was Daniel, and then there was the, the three guys who the king renamed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were favored of the Lord. They were committed to God. They were not compromising their, their stand and their faith. And so God was promoting them, elevating them. But there came another challenge when uh, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar um, decided, even after he had a previous experience with God, but he decided to build this really large image, is what it says. This statue, this image, 90 feet tall, okay? Gold and just probably impressive looking. I think about 90 feet. We're probably um, 22 feet tall in here, all right? 90 feet tall. So people could see it from a long ways away. And he decided that he was going to have the whole nation worship this thing. Right? Now, when you're a king in that context, in that type of government structure, you can say anything you want and do anything crazy like that. And you can also put requirements on it that you can do this or you can die. And so it was a real threat. People were not, uh, they didn't say, hey, I'm going to take him to court. You know, this has got to go through Congress. This has got, then we're going to challenge it in court and maybe three years later we'll get a decision. He was king, so he could just do this. So it was a very real and genuine and present threat to people's lives. So the vast majority of people, what do they do? They obey. And they start worshiping this thing. Crazy. Except for these three guys. Well, let's read the passage. We want to read parts of the verses anyway. Daniel 4, verse 3. Then a herald cried out, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So it's a threat against their life and with pain. Right? <laughs> yeah, can I die a different way? Than burning. No, that was the threat, and so people knew that was, that was very real. What happened after that was exactly what they did. They set it up, they played the music, most of the people all bowed and they complied and worshiped this thing. Well, but not everybody did. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not do it, and then there, there were some other people that tattled on them. And so they went right to the king to tell him what, what happened, and he was ticked off. The king was not pleased with them feeling like they could just disobey him and, and not have any consequences. And so the king was very upset. They brought him before the king, Daniel 3. Now let's skip down to 15. Now if you are ready, the king said, 
At the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. In other words, he's given them a second chance. He liked these guys. Uh, he said, listen, you're going to have another chance. You can do this. He said, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery, the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? He was quite confident. I would say quite arrogant. But he, you, you, you have a God that can deliver you from me? He thought pretty highly of himself, and he didn't know what God could do, did he? What their God could do. Amen. And verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. <laughs> you have to understand who they're speaking to. That's quite a bold statement already. If that is the case... Meaning, if you throw us into the fire, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Okay, stop right there for a moment. You do this, here's what's going to happen. We know our God, and you think no one can deliver us? You think no one has that power? I almost think they just put God up to the challenge, or the king did. Who's, who's going to deliver you? <laughs> well, let me just tell you. Our God is able to deliver us. You think you are more powerful than him? Not even close. He is able to deliver us. What say you about your God, by the way? Someone said, well, is your God strong enough to turn your situation around? Is he strong enough to heal your body? Is your God strong enough to, to work in, in your life? Or you're just like everybody else? How about we say, no. <laughs> As a matter of fact, my God is able to deliver me from whatever it is. He, and he, he goes on to say, he, he will deliver us. And, 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 and uh, Excuse me. Let's see. He is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. So this is not a matter of, I hope he comes through. Man, this is a tough one. They just said it right out, plain, flat. See, this is what conviction does. He can do it. And he, can I tell you something else? He's going to. He's going to deliver us. Amen. What say you about your future? You know Him enough? Do you know His Word enough where you can say, you know what, this situation is not permanent. It's going to turn around because God said, I have a word from Him. I know Him and what He is capable of doing, and He will do it for me. That's what they knew. Verse 18, But if not, meaning if you don't throw us in the fire, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. We are not going to do it. Amen. Now, I know some have interpreted that a little bit differently. They've said, well, when it says, but if not, they thought it meant if God doesn't deliver us, then we're not going to worship your image. And that doesn't really make sense. It doesn't flow with the sentence structure, but also, what do you mean? If you're in the fire and you die, then you're not going to worship the gold image? Why would you say that? Of course you're not going to in that situation. He said, if you throw us in, we're coming out. He will protect us. If you don't throw us in, we're still not going to worship your God. And this is quite an affront to someone who thinks something highly of himself 
But I want you to notice the language of conviction. God will deliver us. We will worship Him and Him alone. This is when you find out what someone really believes. I know that we don't generally deal with this. I've never been threatened to go into the fiery furnace for serving God. Most of us aren't dealing with things on this level. But what do we deal with? What do we bow to that is far less serious than, than the threat against their life? Amen. I, 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 remember, I remember years ago I went, I took a group to Panama and we were ministering in the cities and then we were ministering up in the mountains. It was a missions trip. And so when we went in the mountains because of all the rain, we couldn't take the vehicle very far because the roads would be washed out and everything. So we were, we're on our feet. We're hiking, hoofing it. And they said, by the way, culturally, don't wear shorts or anything like that. It's like a million degrees and a million de- percent humidity. <laughs> we're in our jeans. <sighs> it was painful. Very uncomfortable. But anyway, we'd get up, get up to these places and we'd hold church services and people would come and we found out from uh, those who were local that many of those people, they walked for an hour, two hours. They walked for a long distance themselves because everyone was kind of spread out living around, around the mountains. They walked for a long way just to come to that service. And then they'd want to have long services because you don't want to go that far and not have a long service. And, and I don't think there was any of us You kind of can't get away from the thought in that environment thinking, and in here and here in America, with our with our folks, it rained. So I couldn't come. (laughs) You can't help but have those thoughts when you see someone go to such great lengths to serve God and worship Him and and do what they do and think how sometimes we're such wimps. But I know sometimes, you know, Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're threatened to be thrown in the fire. And they stood their ground. And they believed God. And sometimes we face situations like, well, you know, last week the service went long. I just don't know if I can keep going there. I almost renounced my faith. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Or someone says, I gave my tithe and the offering, and it has been a week. And I have not seen any blessings come into my life. Oh, you poor thing. You're, you have faith for a week. You have, a, you have weak, weak faith. <laughs> Say, it sounds like you're mocking. I'm just trying to paint a picture of what this looks like in our life. How sometimes we do cave and we think, yeah, if I was going to bow to that thing or go in the fiery furnace, I would stand for God too. I'm not sure. You answer that for yourself. But I see how sometimes we act and I think we might not be as strong as we should be. Or maybe some of us, we would, we would be with the rest of the country down on our knees before this great image saying, Father, you know my heart. You know I'm not really bowing on the inside. I'm bowing on the outside, but you know I'm not truly worshiping this thing. I'm truly worshiping you. And we would make we try to bend it so we didn't have to go all in. So we didn't have to worship God on the outside and on the inside, huh? Everybody okay? Well, the Lord wants me to use wisdom. 
Yes, and He wants you to have some, some, some faith that's worth something. And He wants you to have some belief that has conviction to it. That is going to drive not just, I have this internal relationship that nobody knows about. I have this serious commitment to God and I'm keeping it private. Let's knock that off. When the world is bowing, someone has to stand up. And when someone stands up, they do get noticed. I mean, if someone were standing up in here, everyone would notice, right? Unless you're in front of them and you didn't see them. But if someone were just standing up, you would get noticed. Everyone would go, how come that person's standing up? And when we stand up in life and we refuse to bow to all the pressures of this world and the temptations, we stand out. And you know what? I really think that's a good thing that we do. Amen. What does this look like in our day? Some of it's just the sins. Some of it's, you know, lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Might be keeping up with the Joneses. Might be political correctness. Accepting of all ways of life. We're just kind of compromising here and there and here and there and here and there until pretty soon we're on our knees. We're saying, but I still love you, Lord. Come on, man. If you still love the Lord, get up on your feet. And say, I don't have to condemn everyone around me that's bowing, but I'm going to show them what it means to stand for God. I'm going to show them what it means to be a real believer. Go down to verse 24. Because after this happened, you know, they got tattled on. They made their statement. Nebuchadnezzar was not not happy. So what did they do? He said, light up that furnace seven times hotter. We're not only going to kill them, we're going to kill them quick. (laughs) And even the soldiers who threw him into the fire, they died because it was so stinking hot. But you know what happened? They went into the fire and they didn't touch him. Verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And he got to see there is a God who is stronger than you. He is able and he did deliver them. Why did God deliver them? Not just because it was in God's foreordained plan, but there were, some, there were three guys who decided to stand up and in the face of persecution, in the face of this great trial, they said, no, our God's bigger than this. And guess what? He's going to deliver us. When have you spoken and prophesied about your future? It's really not hard to do. You don't have to be a prophet. You just have to say what God said. He said He would do this. And this was on display in their lives. Nebuchadnezzar ended up worshiping God. And these guys got a promotion. How cool is that? He worshiped God. They got promoted. And uh, what would be the result of us living with this level of conviction? What can happen in our world? Maybe some people who don't believe or don't respect Jesus, maybe they would start to worship Him because of what they saw in us. And maybe as the result of our firm, unmovable faith that God would promote us in life just like He did them. Amen. People often think uh, that we, you know, we're going to win the world by being more like the world. They want churches to kind of water everything down. Don't say anything too strong. Don't say anything too absolute. 
Listen, it's the absolute statements that bring God in, this, in, in the house. It's when we say, this is what, the way it will be. This is what God said He will do. And He will do it for me. That's when God manifests. We can't water that down so it appeals to more people. Because then, what do we win them to? A country club? What do we win them to? Just a social environment? I want people to come in contact with Almighty God Himself. Have an experience with Him that's genuine and real. I've got to model it. I've got to stand up and live this thing out so that people can experience God themselves. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, in verse 17, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be to you a father, be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Notice what he said. Don't touch what's unclean. Not putting your hands on what's unclean and saying, Lord, you know my heart. I still love you, even though I'm in the midst of this muck and mire and mess, and I'm wallowing about in all the junk that you saved me from. You know my heart. Ah! Just get your hands off. Be real. Be, be the genuine article. Be a real believer. Our goal is not conformity with the world, but rather to conform to the Word of God, to be different, to be better. This is God's plan. If you're going to live for Him, I like to say it this way, if you're going to jump, jump high. If you're going to work, work hard. Come on, if you are going to serve, do so with conviction. If you are going to believe, have some gumption to you. And believe God. Put your life on the line and say, I'm going to, I'm going to believe God no matter what comes, hell or high water. His word is true. And I will live for Him. And I'll stand when everyone around me bows to the temptations of this world. Everybody Okay. Half-hearted Christianity does not produce full results. It just doesn't. I, I remember when I was, uh, I guess I was 12 years old. I was young in my grade, so I was an eighth grader, and we were having football practice. So it would have been probably August of that year, whenever that was, a couple years ago. And uh, but we're having football practice, and this is all new, you know, for a lot of us, tackle football and stuff. Uh, and I remember one day in practice, they have me playing defense um, like a middle linebacker. And I wasn't the biggest kid out there by any means. I don't know if that was the best position for me. Give me the ball. Come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, and I remember running a play, and I'm standing there. The running back comes right up through one of the holes in the line, and then there's me. And you know how very quickly in my mind I'm going, oh, junk. Because <laughs> that guy, I'm supposed to be bigger than the running back, I think, but I wasn't. And he's coming running hard right at me. All these things are flashing through my mind really quick. And I'm kind of dancing a little bit there, thinking, how can I handle this? Uh, and then I, you know, I really didn't have a choice. I'm not going to let him run by. I tried to tackle him. And he basically ran me over. It was painful. <laughs> and uh, little did I know, I didn't know, but I know now that in that sport, you have to tackle hard. You have to 
If he's running at you, you have to run just as hard at him and give your full effort. Otherwise, you're going to be the one that gets hurt. Right? And I think maybe it's like that in life. I think our spiritual life is somewhat like that. Sometimes we're just timid. And we're just like, I don't know what to do. Come on, man. Hit that guy. Give it a full effort. Pray like you mean it. Speak like it's true. Live for God like He's really on the throne. Otherwise, you're going to get run over. It'll hurt. When I was in high school, um, one of the guys is a year or two older than me, but on the basketball team, um, he could. He was big. He was a football player that could play basketball. Six five, massive. He played center. And in that day, most of our games, no one could dunk, or at least it didn't happen very much. You know what I mean, dunk? There's different ways to score. Shooting, layups, and dunking. <laughs> or as it's called, slam dunk. I like that word, slam dunk. What kind of Christian are you? Slam Christian. <laughs> what kind of food do you eat at Denny's? Grand slam. <laughs> anyway, on the basketball team, there's only a few guys that could really dunk the ball. And in a game, it seldom ever happened because you didn't get that opportunity. But this guy, oh, when he would have opportunities. And he'd play center and he'd get a clear lane and he'd go up two-handed. Kaboom! It was serious slam dunk. You know what happened in the crowd whenever he did that? This is a high school game. The crowd is going wild. Everyone's high-fiving each other. Come on. Yeah. It, there's something about scoring that way that just does something more than the layup does. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes um, if it were our relationship with God and people were in the grandstands watching our spiritual life. Do we ever do anything that makes someone stand up and say, Yeah! Does anybody ever give someone else a high five over the way that you pray? Over the way that you live your life? The way that you serve? The way that you give? The way that you conduct yourself? The way that you refuse to bow to that statue? Come on, is anybody high five and say, Come on! Yeah! Because this is true in heaven. You know the passage, Hebrews 12, great grandstands, the picture is like a track meet. People who have died before us, some of you, some of us, we have friends and relatives there. They're looking down on us right now. They're seeing our spiritual lives. They're seeing our faith. They're seeing our conviction. And when we do something good, they're cheering us on. I think they're high-fiving. Come on, they're chest-bumping. They're... Uh, <laughs> They're saying, Jesus, did you see that? Come on! I think our relationship with God ought to draw some attention. Not in a proud and arrogant, condemning way to anybody else, but in absolute belief. Man, that guy, that girl, she really believes this, doesn't she? You see what she's doing? She really believes this. And she won't have the scar. Because of that level of conviction. Amen. What do you say we worship like we mean it? We pray like He's real. We, serve, we invite other people to come.
because we are so convinced that what we have experienced will change someone else's life too. And when you have that motivation in your voice, it changes. I know sometimes people in our world today, they, they want to say to people like us, why don't you just keep Jesus in your little building and just keep Jesus, keep that faith of yours private in your own home. Don't bring it to work with you. Don't bring it to school. Don't bring it out here in public. That Just keep that quiet. That person does not know what it means to be a believer. If you are a true believer, you can't keep it quiet. You can't just squeeze it into a little skinny hour of your week and say, that's where I serve the Lord, that's where I'm a Christian, and then it's silent the rest of the week. You're not real. Come on, what do you look like when the music starts playing? And everyone starts, you know, bowing to the things of this world. That's when we stand out. Or we bow, or we cave. But if we want to be able to experience God to the full and experience His life and His promises being real in our lives, then we have got to speak like we mean it. We have. That's, by the way, this is the title of my message. Living like you mean it. Amen. And uh, it is when someone truly believes it affects all parts of their life. I can't leave Jesus in church. He's always with me. He's with me in the morning when I wake up. He's with me driving down the road when someone cuts me off. He, he's with me when I'm tempted to do wrong and go the wrong way. He's with me and so I'm going to serve Him at all times. What's real to you? And I think if we have this kind of walk by faith to us, living with conviction to us, then we're going to go dunk on the devil. Come on. Does he need dunked on in your life? <laughs> Amen. But it happens not when you... I'm, I'm mingling sports now, but... Not when you're dancing. <laughs> Come on, run. Come on, give it a full effort. Pray with something driving you from the inside out. And stand and live for Him. Scripture says the just shall live by faith. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How many of you could say, could say today uh, that... Uh, you had a spine issue, and you can already tell a difference in your body since we prayed earlier in the service. Something changed in your, in your spine. All right, thank you. Praise God. Not, lots of them over there. I didn't look over here yet. Any spine healings on this side? Okay, a few of those over there too. Amen. Thank God. You have to be bold and just declare things. When you are, God shows up. I'm telling you, He will show up in your life. Don't make stuff up. I'm just going to go out and... I believe I'm going to go and the time I get to the parking lot, God's going to give me a new car. <laughs> well, you can believe for all that kind of stuff, but I'm just saying, don't, don't, don't just make stuff up like the methods and the timing and all that kind of stuff so you fall on your face and say, oh, it didn't work. No, say what the Lord says and stand up and say, I'm going to live for Him no matter what anyone else says. It's that kind of conviction living that bring, brings results. Amen. Father, thank you for working in.